Well, good morning. It's a joy to be with you this morning in person. As Andreas was saying, uh, Zooming last time wasn't, well, it just isn't the way it's supposed to be. And uh, so it's good to be here in person with you. Thank you, Josh, for um, just leading us in that um, worship, those thoughts, just uh, thinking of, yeah, the, the sovereign of the universe. Um, calling us friends, inviting us into his family, allowing us to be his children, his kids. Um, Amazing. Um, So thank you. We're uh, following along this morning in a series that you started. Turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, this is the series of following Jesus together, and this morning We're thinking in the context specifically of compassion. So a couple of housekeeping things just before we begin. Housekeeping as it relates to my message at least. First of all, we've got to define compassion. What is compassion? I think most of us have a pretty good idea of what it is, so I'm not going to take a lot of time to uh, define it. But of course, if we really want to know the, the truth on something, we go to the internet and we Google it. And, and so the, the definition that came up, the first search I did on compassion, is that it's a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune, and it's accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. So it's, it's not only seeing the problem in somebody else's life, seeing what somebody else is going through, but it's that that strong desire to do something about it. Now, I also, and this is dangerous, I went to the Greek. And uh, sometimes it's easy, you say, oh, I can see that word, how it fits to the English language. Um, This time, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because you might think I'm sneezing or something. Um, You see it there, but it's an interesting word in the sense that, that it... Um, it actually has to do with the intestines or the, the bowels. And, and you think, well, now where am I going with this? Or where's the Greek going with this? But it's this idea that, that when we see something, uh, a need or a situation, that we respond so deeply from within, at the, the very innermost part of our being. So the Old King James translation repeatedly talks about bowels of mercy. They translate it literally because it's talking about that deep inner compulsion that comes from within. It's not just this kind of drive-by look at a problem and saying, well, that's, I'm sorry about that and moving on. But it's that inner response, that deep inner compulsion. One more definition. This is more of a Bible dictionary. And, and it talks about that it, uh, it's a feeling and Uh, with and for others. So not only is it this idea of being sympathetic, that is, I'm feeling feeling for you in the situation, but it's also empathetic in that I feel with you in the situation. That's very different. Not only feeling for you, but I'm feeling with you in the situation. Now the last line there that I underlined I think is so important It's a fundamental and distinctive equality of of God and the biblical idea of God. So when we go to the Old Testament, we see repeatedly that God is a God who is full of compassion. 
repeatedly as, and I just was looking at it this morning, back in Exodus is at 33, where Moses says to God, I, before we go out into the wilderness, I, I want to see your glory, I want to know who you are, I want to know that you're with me, and, and God reveals himself to, to Moses, and, and the first word on the list, the first characteristic on the list is, I'm a God of compassion. And all the way through the Psalms, you see them there. There's this repeated thought that, that God is a compassionate God. God, God feels deeply uh, for his people. It, it, and, and obviously, uh, we'll, we'll see that in the person of the Lord Jesus. And so again and again, we see this idea of God being a God that is full of compassion. So when we come to the New Testament and... Uh, I like this verse in John chapter 1 because it tells us that when Jesus came into the world, when Jesus was sent into the world, he came, as it says in this verse, to reveal God to us. He came to show us what God is like. He came to, literally, it means to bring the heart of God out into the open. And so when we, when we read the Gospels and we read about Jesus going and and, and meeting the Samaritan woman at the well. We see God, the heart of God, on display for this broken woman. It's not only in the words that Jesus spoke, but it's in the places that he went, in the, the ways that he responded to the situation. And so as we come here to Mark chapter 6, we're going to see Jesus respond. He's going to react uh, in, in kind of this reaction to the circumstances and what that tells us is it, it tells us what God is like. And so this is the idea of compassion, this deep inner compulsion from within, this care for the needs of others. Now just a little bit of background to the event that we're going to be reading. We will, we will read the main passage together. But in, in verse 30, Mark chapter 6, we read this. Then the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Now we'll pause there for a second. Uh, so that's the backdrop to the story. They've just come off a, a major ministry trip. The disciples were sent out into the villages and, and towns uh, across the countryside. They were preaching the gospel. They were healing people. And, and the crowds were beginning to grow. Um, there was more and more attention being given uh, to these followers of Christ. And so no doubt being out in the, the masses of people, it would have been exhausted they were coming back, they were reporting to Jesus all that they had seen and done, and, uh, and then at the same time, it seems that if you read the backstory to this passage, uh, right around the same time, they get word that John the Baptist has been martyred, and, and so you see the opposition starting to, to develop. And so these, these guys were physically and emotionally drained. No doubt, even Jesus was, was weary uh, from the, just the, the interaction with the people and the crowds. And, and so we see Jesus acting in compassion. Now, this isn't the, the main focus, but it's just a reminder to us that if we follow with Jesus, 
uh, we're going to experience his compassion. He's going to minister to us, and we see that um, here where the Lord Jesus seems to understand the, the, the fragility, if you will, and the, the condition of his followers, and he says, you know, this is time for us to get away. We need to, we need to get apart and, uh, and find a place to recharge. So that's the, that's the background to the passage we're going to read in a second. Now, I want to share with you um, a background that I have on my computer screen. And um, it, it takes me to a happy place, I have to admit. Um, over the last 27 years or so of our marriage, Sherry and my marriage, um, almost every year we have found opportunity, and in part because some of Sherry's family is down in Georgia and, and my in-laws have a place in North Carolina, almost every year we have found ourselves at the ocean for some little stretch of time um, at the end of the summer. And over the years it has become just something that we have really gotten to value um, after, a, after a summer, in my case, a summer of ministry, often uh, traveling more even in the summer and being away, preaching a lot and interacting with people, it's just nice to pull away and to recharge. And uh, so uh, it was good for our marriage, good for our kids, good for just physical, emotional, spiritual recharge. Um, I have to admit, this is like one of my happiest places, uh, a cup of coffee, beside the ocean with my Bible, that's all I need, um, and, uh, and, and I'm in a happy place. Um, so, so I can understand as I read those initial verses about the disciples and uh, where they were at. They were weary, they were looking forward to this, this time away, uh, just alone with the Lord Jesus, and, um, and then you know, it just didn't turn out the way they thought it might. Uh, they get into this boat, and off they go, and um, they're, they're following, likely following the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. It doesn't seem like they were crossing, but they were just, instead of traveling on the, on the beaten path, they were just following the shoreline. And, and what we read as we go through there is that the crowds saw that they were in the boat and were moving along, and the crowds were so desperate to be where Jesus was that, that they started running along the shoreline, and the further they went, the more people uh, joined the crowd. And so by the time they step off the boat, uh, where they were going to their so-called place of solitude and refreshment, there were more people there than where they left. Can you, can you just, like I'm already getting mad just thinking of it. I, I like people, but uh, there's a point in time where I need to get away from people to recharge. And, and that's what they were expecting, and that's what did not happen uh, in, in this passage. Okay, so let's read now together what happened. And it's, we're going to observe the difference between Jesus and the disciples, and how they responded. And I think there's a real lesson there for us. So, beginning in verse 34, this is Mark chapter 6, verse 34, we'll read this. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of a man's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. And then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he also divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. So, I like charts, so I made a little chart. We're going to go through this passage and just look at the contrast between the disciples and how they responded, and Jesus, and how he responded. So, first of all, we we notice um, the the heart of Jesus. He was moved with compassion. That's our our, uh, sneezing Greek word, if you know what I mean. It it was that, that deep inner compulsion. He saw this mass of people, uh, probably about 12,000 people. I've got a picture of it right here. This is, this is 12,000 people in a stadium. So if you take the 5,000 men that it says here in Mark 6, and if you t- take into consideration what Matthew says about the same event, that there were women and children with them, you do the math and they're probably close to 12,000 people. Um, So you've got a crowd like this. Here's another room full of approximately 12,000 people. And and just just so you know, I actually went through and I counted how many were in the front row and uh, and then counted, I did, honestly. It's kind of a thing I had. Actually, there's probably pretty close to 12,000 people in that picture. But can you imagine, can you imagine stepping off the boat after after a trip of, of... of ministry and being exhausted and not even time to get, you know, time to eat. Jesus say, you know, let's get away, let's go to a place of solitude so we can be refreshed together. You get, you get out of this boat and, and here's this, this crowd of people in the, in the countryside just surrounding you, swarming you. And um, what, is, what do we read? Jesus' heart was filled with, it was moved with Compassion, his, his heart was tender, what he, he saw. He saw the, this group of people. They saw how they were, they were chasing after him and they were following them and he knew they were a people in need and, and his, his automatic response was, was to respond with compassion, with sympathy, with tenderness, with, with love. And I suppose we shouldn't be surprised because this was the very same thing that that moved him to step down off his throne in heaven. And, 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 it, 
he left the, that scene with angels worshiping him and, and he was willing because he saw your need and he saw my need, he was willing to come. He was moved with compassion, with love. He stepped down uh, and he came into this world to, to deal with our sin problem as we've already heard this morning. And so perhaps if we, if we think in those terms, we shouldn't be surprised how Jesus responded in this situation. Well, it's interesting to read how the disciples, in contrast, responded to the situation. Later in the chapter, I didn't read the verse, but later uh, in, in this chapter, in verse 52, it says, they didn't understand about the loaves because their hearts were hardened. And the word there actually means calloused or stony. And the idea is, of course, that, that they had hearts there that were unmoved. They looked at the circumstances, the need of the people around them, and, and that same crowd that drew this, this response of compassion from Jesus, uh, the, that same crowd, it, it caused them to just be unmoved and, and, and unresponsive to the need around them. Their, their heart certainly wasn't like Jesus uh, tender and ready to respond to the needs of others. They had their own needs. They had their own, and they were legitimate needs. Jesus saw the need, and, and that's why he was taking them away. And, and so they were, they were just so annoyed and angry that Jesus now was, was moving from their need to focus on the need of the crowd, the, the multitude around them. And so their hearts were hardened the question maybe we need to ask ourselves is, and this comes back to a personal level, is why is my heart so often more like the disciples than the heart of Jesus? If you're here in the room and you say, no, I always identify with the left-hand column here, then you should probably be preaching the message because I can identify with the disciples. I know what it's like to be frustrated by other people's needs. And, and in, in a word, the answer to that question is, it's sin. That's, that's what sin does to us. Sin makes us selfish, self-absorbed. We're conscious of our own need, of our own pain, of our own desires, but we lack sympathy and, and concern and compassion for others around us. It's, it's hard to be compassionate when we're self-centered. It's, it's hard to be worried and concerned about the needs of others when we are so self-absorbed and focused on our rights and our privileges. It's sin. It's, it's that, that's what was being revealed in the, the life of the disciples was this sinful reaction. They, they, their hearts were hardened. They were unmoved with the, the needs around them. In the Old Testament, under the law, there were all these rules in place. You know, when a poor person comes along and you're harvesting your field, you need to leave a little bit of grain standing in the corners of the fields. You know, all of those, those rules that were kind of written into the law. It, it, it kind of administered, enforced some kind of a compassionate response, but it didn't produce in the people a heart of compassion. They were just under obligation to act in a compassionate way. 
But that's the beauty of the gospel message. That's the beauty of of this message that we celebrate. Jesus coming into the world to rescue us not only from the penalty of sin, but also from the power of sin, that that part that makes us selfish and self-centered. And so uh, he sent his, for those of us who have received Jesus into our life, he sent his spirit the very Spirit of Christ into us, giving us the capacity to be compassionate and respond compassionately. Well, notice as we just go down through this uh, quickly, we we see uh, Jesus' focus, and again, how different it was from from the disciples. He saw the spiritual needs. Of course, we're going to see in a minute that he also takes care of the physical needs, but he first saw the spiritual needs. He saw this crowd, Matthew tells us that um, they, he saw this crowd like they, that they were confused, they were helpless, and like sheep without a shepherd. Uh, he understood that here's a, here's a mass of people, and, and these people had no legitimate shepherds, people who really cared for them, the, the religious leaders of the day that were supposed to be the shepherds of Israel, the ones that were supposed to be caring for their spiritual needs. They were wicked men. They were godless men. They were religious hypocrites. They had no interest in the well-being of people. And, and so these, these people were... We're, we're under just so much stress and so much bondage and corruption. And, and so when Jesus came, they were, they were like flies to a light. Like they were just swarming him because they, they saw in him a, a one who had compassion. And so, so Jesus, as he looks at these people, his, his heart is moved because he recognized that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began to teach. And the, in the tense in the, in the Greek is that he began and he, con- he kept on teaching. Um, they, they just were drinking it in. It was like, it was like water to a parched soul. Uh, so Jesus saw the spiritual needs, but the, physic- the, the disciples, they were pretty different, weren't they? They, they were all worried about the, the physical needs. Like, get rid of these people. You know, there's 12,000 people um, send them away. We obviously don't have. We're we're poor. We're poor followers of Jesus. We we're not. Uh, we don't have anything to offer these this mass of people. And so they're just concerned about the physical needs and saying, you know, um, we don't have what it takes. Interestingly, we see this again and again. I mentioned earlier about the story of the Samaritan woman, and and if you look at that in John chapter four. There, there's again a contrast because you see twice uh, it's referred to that the disciples went to buy food. They were, they were just so focused on their food, going into town to buy food, they would have walked right past this Samaritan woman who was coming out to the well, and Jesus eventually sat down with her and, uh, and just poured out his heart to her and, and her to him. But uh, the disciples, they were just focused on the food, you know, the physical need. We're hungry, we're tired, we need to go buy some groceries. And, uh, and Jesus, in that passage in John 4, rebukes them and he says, you need to be lifting up your eyes and looking out at the fields. They're white unto harvest. There's a lot of people out there that are looking and needing spiritual help and, and you're ignoring them. Well, here the same thing is happening. They're uh, as he's teaching them, as he's pouring into them, 
Um, they're, they're just thinking, okay, it's getting late. We've got 12,000 people here in the middle of nowhere. What are we going to do with these people? They saw, the, they saw the physical needs. Jesus saw the spiritual. And I, I just, again, I think um, so often, how often it is I miss the opportunity to show compassion because I'm only looking at the, at the circumstances from the physical. I see... I see, or I, I see how people respond. I see how people react, um, and I'm thinking in terms of of just the physical. You know, why are they so moody? <laughs> you know, why are they why are they so grumpy? Why why you know? And I I fail to think about okay, what is what is going on? What's the story behind the story? What is the what is the spiritual need that's behind? Why, why is this person overtaken with addictions and living on the street? Why, why is this person responding to me this way? Paul says in Ephesians that our battle is not a flesh and blood battle. Um, our, our war, our battle is against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness and the heavenly places and those kinds of things. But so often... Uh, even as Christians, we, we forget about the spiritual realm and the realities, and we get caught up with, with physical things. I, I think of Andreas's announcement here, and I pity him, to, you know, the whole mask thing. I've had to make those kinds of announcements. But we get caught up with all of that, and I appreciated how um, we were reminded this morning that this is not just a physical matter, matter of whether I wear a mask or not, but there's a spiritual reality uh, and, and, uh, and it reflects on, on whether there's reality here, oneness and, and love for one another and compassion for one another. So it's so important that we um, be like, more like the Lord Jesus, seeing these spiritual needs. Now, just, just as we come to the last line here in the chart, thinking of how the disciples responded versus um, how Jesus responded, the disciples, their response was, We'll never have enough. Even if we go out and all of us go to work for eight months or over half a year and, and we earn as much as we can, it won't even come close to meeting the needs of the people. They just, they were looking at themselves and, and what they had to contribute to the situation and thinking, you know what, it's, it's going to cost too much. And, and there's a little lesson, and it's just a general lesson, it's this, um, that compassion is always going to cost more than we can afford. Um, no matter what the situation is, um, there, there's going to be a need that we simply cannot meet when we bring the spiritual into it. But what was the problem here with his disciples? They had Jesus right beside them, and they're saying, we can't, we can't do this. They were taking God out of the equation, weren't they? They were, they were looking at the need, of the hour, the need of the multitude, and they're saying, we don't have enough. Well, if they would have stopped and thought about the fact that they had the creator of the universe right beside them, um, they, they would have had enough. But they were not thinking in those terms. They had removed God from the equation. And how often do you and I do that? Where we look at a situation, we're confronted with with a need, whether it's physical or spiritual, whether it's in our own life or in our families or in our church community or beyond. We, we look at the situation, we know there's an opportunity to show compassion, but we're like, I'm not getting involved um, because, because it's too big of a problem, it's too much for me. Well, of course it is, of course it is. 
They need God. They need Jesus in their life. They, they don't need us alone. They need us in relationship to Jesus. And so this is where it becomes really interesting. Um, these these uh, disciples, they said, we don't have enough. And Jesus' response essentially is this. Listen, I'm willing to take what you have and I'm willing to make it enough. Did, did he need five loaves and two fish? What's the significance about the five loaves and two fish? I don't know, maybe there's something in the Greek, but I couldn't find it. Um, no, the significance is that's what they had. Did, did he need five loaves or two fish? Or could, do you think he could have fed the multitude with, with two fish and, and a loaf? I, I don't know. I'm getting my numbers mixed up here. But it doesn't matter. The point is, the point is not the five and two. The point is that's all they had and they gave it to him. And, and Jesus responded and said, listen, I'll, I'll take that and I'll make it enough. I'll take what you have and I'll make it enough. I'll take what you have and I'll put it back in your hands. If we go look at that account, Jesus broke it, he blessed it, he gave thanks, for it, and then he gave it back to the disciples and then the disciples went out and met, met the need of the 12,000 people or so. Amazing. Did, did God need, did Jesus need the disciples? Did, did Jesus need the, the little lunch of that, that boy that made it available? No. He, he's filled the oceans with, with uh, whales. Um, he's blown in um, flocks of quail to feed the children of Israel in the, in the wilderness. He's provided the manna. He can, he can bring water from the rock. He, he doesn't need the lunch. But in his kindness and in his goodness, he allows us to be a part of the action. He, he says, okay, what is it that you have? Give it to me and, and I'll use it to, to show my compassion and meet the needs of others. That's the grace, that's the kindness of God that, that he allows us to be a part of what he is doing. So, so what happened? Well, uh, they, they took the loaves, um, distributed, and end of the story. They all ate and were satisfied. So, so what? So what's the point? Well, first of all, two questions. Does, does God care? Does God have compassion? We answered that earlier. Yes, Jesus came to demonstrate it. We see it here in Mark 6. We see it all through the Gospels. And, of course, the ultimate evidence of God's compassion is the cross. Uh, that moment in time, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus took his cross outside the walls of Jerusalem and he died uh, speaks loudly about the compassion of God. This, this inner compulsion that moved him to do something, moved him to give his life for your sin and mine. I remember learning this verse in 1 Peter probably at about four or five years old, one of the, you know, one of the little memory books that I would have uh, went through as a child, cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. That's, that's pretty amazing. I, I learned it as a child, but 
I'm just learning to appreciate it more and more. What an amazing thing. Uh, there's, there's not one of us in the room here uh, or in the gym or online that will have a problem that is too big for God to carry. There's, there's not a thing that you have in your life that you can't come out and say, listen, this is a burden, this is a care, this is, this is something that I'm carrying. There's, there's nothing that we can put onto him that, that he's going to say, oh, this is too much for me, I'm overwhelmed, <laughs> I can't handle it all. No, we see in this account in Mark how Jesus just with no effort met the needs of, of the masses of the crowd. And, and as we're here this morning, we can be assured of this fact that we have a God who cares. Um, I love, and it's not in this hymn book, I don't think, um, but when I was growing up in the other part of the building and we would sing out of our red hymn book, I think it was number 602 or 603, um, it was the, the hymn, Does Jesus Care?, and, and, it, and each verse starts asking the question, does, does Jesus care when my heart is pained? Does Jesus care when the path is dark? Does Jesus care when I've tried and failed? Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And the chorus goes every time, oh yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the, when the day is weary and the long night, no, when the, when the day is dreary and the long night weary, I know my Savior cares. And so if you're here this morning and that's what you need to hear, be assured, He cares, He knows, and He has moved and is moving to meet your need. Secondly, why should I care? Because God gives me the privilege of being his instrument through which he shows compassion to others. I've, I find this, this account and this story of feeding the 5,000 just such a remarkable story because you see the heart of the disciples. It was hardened. They were unresponsive. But yet Jesus, in his kindness, in his grace, he says, listen, I want to make you a part of the process. As I, as I meet the needs of this crowd, I'm going to take what you have and I'm going to use it and I'm going to use it to meet the needs of others. And so um, they got to participate in his act of compassion when he, when he put the loaves, the broken loaves back into their hands and he allowed them to distribute them to the needs of others. And so, uh, this is the last thing on the, the screen for this morning, and it's this. What has is, what is God put into your hand? What has he put into my hand? What, what has he given us that, that we can offer back to him as, a, as, as something that he could use to, to minister compassion to others? What is it that, that we have? Is it, a, is it an ability? Is it, is it something that we enjoy doing? A, kind of a, a, I don't know, maybe it's baking. Um, maybe, it's, maybe it's our phone and we can use our phone and we can pick it up and rather than using our phone just to, you know, for self-absorption and everything else, maybe we can use it actually to, to bless others and say, Lord, 
here's my phone. I want, I want to use my phone to uh, reach out to others and, and to uh, administer your compassion to others. Maybe, maybe it's time. Maybe, maybe you're re- retired here and, and, and you've got this season in your life where, where you've got time on your hands and, and you can offer that time to God and say, here it is, it's not much and I don't know that I can do much with it, but, but I want to hand it over to you and I want to see what you can do with my time uh, as a blessing to others. Um, we can go down the list. The, the question is this, what, what has God put in your hands? Jesus said to the disciples, go and see. <laughs> go figure it out and come back to me and let me know. And so that's the message I leave with you this morning is you go and see. What is it that God has in, put in your hands? What is it that is available um, that, that you can bring back to him and offer to him as a sacrifice? So... Um, We'll pick it up there in a second, but what is, what is God given to you that we can use uh, as we demonstrate compassion to others? Uh, and then, as again, the first question, does, does God care? And maybe that's where we are this morning and just need to be affirmed in that, um, that, that, that we're not left alone and not, um, not without the eyes of God on our situation and the compassion of God in his heart. So does God care and why should I care?